0: And welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. This season, we are tackling 1973. And tonight, we are doing Last Tango in Paris. I am your host, Greg. And before we continue on, know this. This show is also a game show, and I will be awarding points for correct answers, for funny comments, Maybe for something that personally compliments me in some way? Question mark. Who knows? Uh, and I have rounded up two dudes from the street, neither of whom won last week's show. Mike, let's start with Ouch. you. What is your excuse for not winning last week's show?
1: Uh, I political dissident. Uh, I was being a conscientious objector to that movie.
0: You're gonna do the same. You're gonna use the same excuse that you used for January sixth. Yeah, I would have been there.
1: I mean, my boy Jay called me up, but I was like, man, I just, I can't. I can't this time.
0: (laughs) That is Jimmy Pesto? Yeah, Jimmy uh, Pesto. Mike. Hope you're doing okay out there, Jimmy Pesto. But,
1: okay, I couldn't be like, I I just don't believe in that movie. I think there's a lot of problematic things, but finally, we hit a movie I believe in, and I can get behind everything that happened with, and I'm here, baby.
0: Wonderful, wonderful start. Ryan, you are here, and it it says here you're going to be non-problematic. Is that true?
2: I am kind of confused. I'm checking the studio number. You guys ever do that first day of class? you would like ask the teacher if you're in the right ra- no you would never ask the teacher you would just sit there no. and go through an entire class even though it might be wrong i never signed uh, so up for far-
1: economics but i guess i'll sit here because i might I- miss that syllabus round.
0: i don't want to be that guy that jumps up and runs out of class the first day of class i don't want to
2: be the guy who doesn't waste three hours of his life but so far mike's gotten points for um being at january 6th yeah uh, for loving movies about rape i go was ahead, Mike.
1: not at january 6th
2: but wanted to be, and you love Jimmy Pesto. I do love
1: Jimmy Pesto. But I couldn't be I, there think I, I think everybody because I politically disagreed.
0: It's, it it's it's universally understood that Jimmy Pesto is the best part of Bob's burgers, which is why it's gonna be so hard for the show to move on without him.
2: Oh, I'm I think you're confused, like Jimmy Pesto is what Mike calls his Italian Jizz. That's awful. That's yeah. yeah,
1: that's nasty. Mike. We'll do, we'll that's give fair. A point. I'm not
2: I I'm explaining to you what Mike calls his Green Jism.
1: I should go to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Mike. I think it's supposed to be like that. It's
2: supposed to be like that. Guys, this is the point of the show. Are we stalling? (laughs) I think
0: we might be stalling a little bit. Uh, This is the point of the show where I say, have you seen this movie before? What's your history with this movie? And then give me your sort of general impression about it now on this watch. So, Mike, let's start with you. Uh, had you ever seen this movie before, or what's your history with it? Were you at least aware of it? I,
1: I, I was aware of the Last Tango in Paris because I don't know if we've said the name yet. Did we, but, but so I was aware that I, it existed. I did. Did, did you? I did okay. say it. I did. I was so focused on Jimmy Ryan. Pesto and yeah. discussing like, "Do I have the clap? Is Ryan. that why?" Exactly. Uh, yeah. Ryan, ouch! Please, c- c- I continue. made one mistake. Yeah, man, someone's feeling yeah. tyrannical.
0: It's a good point. Uh,
1: <laughs> so no, I knew it existed because of the scene that I'm, maybe we'll talk about. I don't know. Uh, but Hopefully literally, that's we'll all I knew. I knew the scene and the lead two actors' names didn't even know the director. Honestly, still don't know the director. Uh, and that, that was it. And the stories uh, are so mixed and apocryphal, I didn't even know if it was real Cause that's what that's what you heard, right? It's it's the on the mean streets of elementary school. Somebody's like, "Have you heard what Marlon Brando did in nineteen seventy three in the Last Pango, Tango in Paris? It was a full on real rape." And then later you grow up, you're like, "Oh no, there was just like there were consent issues, but it wasn't that didn't happen."
0: We'll get we'll get into that whole can of worms, I'm sure eventually. Ryan, what is your history with Last Tango in Paris?
2: I I have seen this movie before. Um, I have gone to take tango classes. Boo! Boo! This man—they oh. they
0: boo for a long yeah. time. They do. Yeah, yeah you, th- you think they're going to stop, but then they keep going.
2: And like the, um, you know, Jerry Springer contestant that I am, I had to march up and down the stage, telling them to bring it, doing the whole to bring <laughs> coding, it on, like ear thing. I need to hear it and hear it louder. Um, yeah, I think that. Uh, this is uh, nearly an impossible movie to talk about unless you have, I would say, seventy-five to ninety minutes. Yeah, uh, and two very trusted friends. Yes,
0: this is a this is we are all going to be very safe with each other here. Nobody's going to get pilloried or judged.
2: If this was the episode, we every season. A uh, uh, lot of time listeners know this, but every season we have one episode that get the recordings get deleted. That's if that true. was this one, <laughs> uh, that would be fine. Maybe it'll happen um but yeah like you can't make it now that you said that it's not gonna happen i know yeah. I, I just it's gonna un- be what's up, it's
1: gonna be robin hood it's gonna be postemptively <laughs> deleted from the internet <laughs> somebody
0: postemptively
2: us. um but i think that this is a movie with so many great elements almost said wonderful and i was like oh don't use that word then people will think you love rape just uh there's so many incredible elements to this movie um, much of which I would like to discuss, but there's so, uh, there's almost nothing we can talk about until we talk about, uh, you know, the elephants in the room. Now I have a point of order, which is not a Marlon Brando fat joke. Uh,
0: because he's pretty trim here.
2: Dude. Okay.
0: Uh, he's like supposed to be a broken down old man, but clearly he wanted the world to know that he could still like get, it? get up to his feet. From oh yeah lying on his
2: back. He is a he's a French clown at certain points in this movie. That move where he just like kind of goes from lying on the ground to standing in half a second. But there was there's gotta be like dudes off camera that are helping him do that, right? Yeah, he's, like, well, he's wires. on wires. He yeah. uh okay. he does have
1: strings to hold him down. Uh it no,
0: he plays there a crocodile this on
1: character where it is lethargic, lethargic, lethargic. You move fast and it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, we'll get to that. Um but point of order, our sibling show had its 500th episode, and we got a lot of emails, and we threw away all emails that had anything to do with movie of the year. And we just don't do that here. We don't do. We don't touch our emails that have to do with movie of the year. But one did say, "Hey guys, it's pretty weird that you are doing Last Tango in Paris, where you refuse to accept that Woody Allen exists. What's the difference?
2: Is that why we? we so we kept all the Last Tango emails, right, Mike? And that's why." Particularly about that one scene, and that's why all your friends are chanting butter emails, butter emails. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. That's why Jay is.
2: That's why Jay he got He got
1: caught up in the wrong crowd. He thought he was talking about Last Tango in Paris. Uh,
0: w- okay, so why are we doing this movie? You, Both of you gentlemen voted to do it, and I was shaking my head vigorously no the entire time. So wow. what? what is the why? Why are we doing it, contestants? Well,
2: we can't rewrite history like you are currently doing.
0: I... That's just the truth. That's just the truth. Not that any of us can remember what actually happens on one of
2: our podcasts, but I... am never
1: going to listen back. That's disgusting.
2: I... Well, what Woody Allen... The terrible things that Woody Allen did was off camera, and this one was on. So apparently, that changes things for us.
0: And it's not... In no no way is it an endorsement of the movie that we are covering it. Uh, Like, the... So...
1: I guess... (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm interested because... Like Woody Allen people, when they talk about his good movies, they're like, oh, they were so good, but uh, we can't watch them now. And that's what we we do when he shows up. We're like, hey, we're not going to do Manhattan. Fuck that. But, oh, we wish he wasn't a terrible person. I think what's interesting about this movie that stands out is all anybody remembers is the
0: one scene, and uh, there's so much more to this movie. Well, let's let's jump into the first question, because it is directly about this. Sure. And then maybe we can obliquely tackle why we are doing this movie in the course of that. So we'll take a real quick break, and when we come back, we get into it. Last Tango in Paris is the story of Paul, an extremely recently widowed man whose relationship with his wife was complicated, and Jean, a 19-year-old who comes to find herself completely dominated and enthralled by him. Meeting by chance one day, they enter into a sexual relationship in which their first encounters are totally anonymous and pretty upsetting to at least one viewer. Jean is both parts repulsed and drawn to Paul, and she is also seeing Tom, a young, very boring filmmaker, who seems to think that you can do whatever you want if you're making a movie at the same time. Jean Mm. becomes increasingly desperate to flee from Paul as he becomes increasingly sure that he is in love with her until she shoots and kills him. Uh, Light spoilers for the end of this movie. But... All this has been largely lost in the cultural memory of the movie, replaced by one scene where Paul rapes Jean using butter as a lubricant. Speaking of the infamous scene, actress Maria Schneider later said, They only told me about it before we had to film the scene, and I was so angry. I should have called my agent or had my lawyer come to the set, because you can't force someone to do something that isn't in the script. But at the time, I didn't know that. Marlon said to Marie, Maria, don't worry, it's just a movie. But during the scene... Even though what Marlon was doing wasn't real, I was crying real tears. I felt humiliated, and to be honest, I felt a little raped by both Marlon and Bertolucci. She's also said that this scene traumatized her and stole her youth. Is it possible to reckon with this scene and the damage it caused and then move past that to also say anything meaningful about the movie? And so that, like, no, no, that's let's the just question. Stop. Why, uh, but <laughs> why are we doing this? Why? Like, what's the exercise here, and what is... What what's left to us? What can we do? It's
1: and this isn't a full excuse, but I think uh, as just a fan uh, and a just pure listener of the Paper Moon episode, you guys wrestled with similar off camera thing. I think we couldn't do 1973 as a season if we weren't talking about monsters. The more you learn about any filmmaker, they're all fucking disgusting monsters. Especially
0: Uh, especially right now, like I feel like maybe this is also like the 73, the 70s. This is like the moment of the
2: monster director maybe and, and, uh, maybe not moment as peak but moment as hopefully and it definitely wasn't the end but like yeah. the peak is in like it's we're it's all downhill or uphill from here like we're now it's time to make some changes you know it's time to uh they've had their moment in the sun and we have to start uh activizing or like we have to start uh sag and these uh people have to come together and start making on-set rules
1: right H- so have is right. probably fifty years later. Have uh, wow. intimacy
2: coordinators. I think that uh, on the Paper Moon show, uh, we talked about that Charlie Chaplin story about how he gave the kid the puppy and then took uh-huh. it away so he'd get real tears. Yeah, having no idea that in our very near future, this much worse movie, uh, as far as this goes, was coming up. And yeah, I the things that Bernardo Bernardo Bertolucci has said about this movie we should talk about but like I would say every week on average every week somebody from this era Michael Caine most recently at the time of this recording comes out and says uh pish posh intimacy coordinators people just need to go out and make a movie this happened this thing happened okay this should have never happened you know once is enough shut the fuck up yeah, why, it's why is why is having a coordinator like this Ryan. such an affront to art making to you, where you need to sh- like openly say this out loud.
1: You you are, and I we're we're movie fans here, fans of cinema, but uh, you are clowns who pretend for money. So maybe actually pretend and do your fucking job. Yes. It doesn't need to be real fear ever. Yeah. To quote to quote a uh, one of my favorite podcasters and a very smart film watcher, Greg Heinlein, on the Paper Moon episode, he said, uh, they used to act like anything you put on film, it was okay because it was art, and maybe it fucking isn't. And yeah. it's in it's bananas, anybody who's just like, I don't know, pretty good movie though,
2: so would it would it have been the same if they told her a week before that this was a scene, so but she could have thought about it a little? Maria Schneider, a 19-year-old girl who, a 19 woman, who had never had a major role before, it's possible you could have said, hey he is going to uh, force this upon you. You don't want it as much as any of the, at all, and nowhere as close as to any of the other sex in the rest of the script. Act like that. And she would have been like, oh, as an actress, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they did not give her the opportunity to.
1: If you watch the the rest of this movie, and you should, if you just watch this scene, you're a freak and I don't like you. So if you watch the whole movie, uh, it'll show that she's a pretty good actress and I bet she could have pulled it off.
0: And if you think about it, these two guys cooked this up while the two of them were hanging out. Right. And they probably doing blow. And they decided to do this and they decided to do it to their coworker who is a young woman who is like kind of the employee of one of the two of them. And then like in a, a very lower stature of the other.
1: And, and she said she had a very paternalistic relationship with Brando. Well, part uh, of what's
0: weird about this movie is they have all said so many things so many different times. There's a time yeah. where she said, that's what he thought, but that's, that's, what not he re- thought. that's not what it was really like for me. And then there was a time after that where she said, no, it really was very paternalistic. And I, they stayed mm-hmm. in contact after, whereas she, like, after this movie, neither one of them ever talked to Bertolucci again.
2: Right. I've read so many different quotes from Brando that said uh, he's the best director I ever worked with, and also he was a fucking... Uh, psychopath. I didn't understand a single idea that he had on set, so I just had to do whatever I want. He,
0: to- he told Brando at one point, "You are my penis. Mm-hmm. You're playing my penis in this movie," and he was like, "I didn't know what that means. So right. I, just, <laughs> I just disregarded it." And it wasn't like I didn't
2: understand. <laughs> you that. know what? I'll ignore that. <laughs> but like, yeah, like otherwise he's gonna like do Move around weird like things. A, yeah, like, like. You, also you act like
0: this in a movie where she is actually humiliated and actually assaulted to some degree. Like it. I don't think anyone is currently alleging that his penis went into her. But, like, what do you you call it when someone uses their power and influence over you to make you do something you don't
2: want to do that humiliates you in in an entirely sexual way? Like, I mean, what we're learning about this method acting thing, and we've talked about this on the show before, about how it started and where it went, you know? And there are people who took it to a degree where it was just mildly annoying. Um, like you Jared have to Leto. put up with it, like Daniel Day Lewis. No, 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 no. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis is like oh. he's on the set right yeah. now, um, and I'm he, Lincoln, and he's like saying I'm Lincoln, yeah. but he's not bothering anybody. And then there's Jared, <laughs> there's Jared Leto, where he's like, he's he is like harassing right. us, yeah, and right. he's doing it under the guise of being the Joker or
0: Jim Carrey when he was like the Tony,
2: reality part. From- <laughs> Pardon the interruption in the Tony Reality biopic.
0: Where he plays the annoying part of the Andy Kaufman yeah. character. Yeah. He oh, was yeah,
1: because like, Andy Kaufman's never annoying.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like, this is clearly a, uh, a an abuse of power. You are yes. not an actor anymore. The method, as we've discussed on the show, the method was instead of saying, oh, this part demands that I cry, so I'll cry. What it says instead is, oh, this person experienced loss. I'm going to remember loss from my life yeah. and then right. cry thinking about how my mom died when I'm thinking about how my dog died. That's it. That's method, yeah. period. And yeah. so it's turned into, I now get to abuse. And these mm-hmm. people, Brando and Bertolucci, what they said is right. straight up, what it has devolved into is, I hate women. Yeah. Honestly, like, like, and I might be making some leaps. But ultimately, you land in the same place, is that this is my property, and right. uh, I can do what I want. I'm making this movie because I fear them, and fear leads to hate, as a, an older baby Yoda once said.
0: And then it's like, yeah, and then that's in the text of the
2: movie as well. Right. Like All the evidence is there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and so then it's just, I feel like that stuff is so in your face, and so upsetting, and so uh traumatizing is way too strong a word but just so well traumatizing to at least one person um that then it to be like setting that aside what did you think of uh brando's performance feels like a lot harder to do than a lot of other movies because it just feels like it can you just set that aside and then just start and then talk about the rest of the of the film or or is there something gross about that
1: not not just talk about it. I'd say watching it, it felt like Jaws when you're always like, "When's the shark gonna come?" Yeah. That, ha- having that be the only thing you know, you're just like shoulders you, up to your ears, and be like, "When's it gonna happen?" Though, <laughs> and like, I I'm sure there is w- wonderful artistic things going on this movie, but it just feels like the worst horror movie because you know this thing is
2: coming. And in that, he like it. Happen. It always happens way later I, in the movie than I think. Yes, because it sort of kickstarts the plot. In a very plotless movie, it kickstarts the rest of the movie, and it happens, honestly, and, like 90 minutes in. But the way that it's shot is a little bit like Jaws, in that he's like, go give me the fucking butter. yeah, And then she yeah. goes and gets it, and then they're on the ground together, and there's a uh, a close-up of his foot br- dragging the butter closer to him. That That's like a horror movie. That's like, and, kick the knife or the gun closer to you so you can get it.
1: You fucking know Quentin Tarantino came when he saw that because not only it's his two favorite things—it's feet and it's abusive women—and so he's just like, "Oh, this is—I will direct." Right. And this is him as like an eight-year-old boy. Yeah, he's always been a freak.
0: Um, the the movie, aside from the like fact of this scene being so terrible in how it was put together, wouldn't it also kind of ruin the movie if it if even if they had just done normal acting? with this and nobody got assaulted like it also seems to kind of be too much even for the for the movie like uh, the movie doesn't it, seem to fully digest it or like seem to really understand what happened
1: oh it motors it motors quick i feel like bartolucci is like okay so this movie's definitely about this guy being a control freak even though he is my penis I wonder if people won't get that unless I fully show him overpowering her controlling, even though every interaction is him being a control freak and telling her what she can and can't do. I need to really... Because this is a big blockbuster film that a lot of Howdy Doodads are going to see, so I have to spell this out plainly, what I'm trying to say about their relationship. That That's the only... Merit is definitely the wrong word, but like reason behind that scene is like, what, 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 what? And it's Paul is trying to see how far he can go. He keeps pushing her. So like, how far can I go? Do you know what I don't like necessarily reading about this movie and the, uh, there, there's a butter scene and somebody else held up the, the scene where he says he wants her to someday fuck a pig. People like, and those two things, I was like, "Mm, I actually don't give a shit that he tells in character, another character that she should fuck a pig because the way it was described, it was like, and then he makes her fuck a pig. And so when I saw the movie, I was like, okay, that doesn't happen. These are not equal.
2: (laughs) That was a deleted scene. Um I that it's a very different question and on two extremely different levels. The idea of real tears being cried to me is uh like if we're going to move on from that and talk like if the like if we're going to put the gavel down and say that was mm-hmm. an awful thing that happened and now we're going to move on. I do agree with Mike that uh we're now talking about the relationship between the two of them and I do think that there is this game this nameless game of this, this whole movie takes place in like three days and yeah. they do that. Pu-
1: I did not get it first at all. Yeah.
2: Oh,
0: okay. Yeah.
2: Uh, that they keep pushing each other and pushing each other and not. And it's in a way where it's like, let's almost like we have this, this time together before we're going to prison, almost like 24th hour, 25th hour right? Mm-hmm. And we know it's going to be over soon, so let's keep pushing each other and pushing each other. Uh, not, again, to say that anybody should be raped, but in character, um, where let's see what we can get away with, let's see what we can tolerate. Um, and then she she does come back and they do try more things, you know, with the sh- with the shocking, the physical pain, mm-hmm. like literally she shocks him and then there's the fingers in the ass. And so... Uh-huh. I do think that there is this, like, embarrassment, humiliation sort of quality to it. Yeah. Um, that I do think they are trying to one-up each other.
0: That scene, to me, does feel more necessary because he says to her in that, like, "Will you'll do anything I tell you. And she says, yeah, I'll do worse than that. I'll do worse than that. And I think why that is important is because it shows how, like, she can't – it's one of the first times you see she just simply can't pull away. Mm-hmm. And, like, that she is, like, powerless to whatever it is inside her that's responding to him. And ultimately, that's why probably she has to kill him to get away from him, right? Is that, she, like, she can't, she can't pull away. And so that Work. seemed to me, that doesn't even really, that one doesn't even really bother me. Because, again, like what well, Mike was saying, well, it depicts two consensual people and, and two yes. consensual actors.
1: And, and we know so much more, it feels like, we, at least it's in the discourse more of the relationship between subs and doms, that everybody kind of knows subs are in control, if you're in a healthy version of a sub-dom right. relationship, yes. and he is still in control, because he's saying, hey, go clip those little nails. <laughs> you're, and I, I, I'm certain that Brandon Bertolucci are like, no, because this equals it out, but he is still in control, and yeah. behind the screen, the actors all knew this was happening. If she and Bertolucci cooked this up and didn't tell Brando, hell yeah, girl, is the Girl best boss
2: shit? Is the best subdom movie Fast Eight when Dom Tretto pulls that submarine from the ice? <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> it's my favorite subdom movie.
2: I, the the thing that makes it that much grosser, is that the fingers in the asshole, and the shocking, of that happens just before, and really all of the other vile stuff that they do, all of the consensual stuff that they do, whether it's like it's romantic or it's like a little on the the subdom side, wherever it is right, on on whatever level, it's shot so absolutely incredibly because Bertolucci knows how to shoot a movie. Yeah. The other reason, besides all the obvious ones, why the butter scene stands out is because they only had one take because the next time she wouldn't be crying real tears. So we have this two-shot where it's uh, him on top of her and then the front of her face. That's mm-hmm. where they put the two cameras. And so there's nothing uh, to look at Right, the, like the lighting sucks. Yeah. There's no camera movement because this is the one shot that they have to shoot it, and so uh, it completely stands out in the movie just from a visual aspect.
0: And uh, another thing that is less important, I guess, than this, but it still bothers me a lot, is they have people have asked like, why isn't Brando? Why don't you see his dick in the movie? Why does why doesn't he do full nudity? And he said it's because on set, my penis looks too small. And Bertolucci said, I couldn't show him naked because I had become so aligned with that character that would be like showing myself naked. Both great answers. Man, that is (laughs) giving the game away on both of their accounts. This woman stands in the movie completely naked for basically half of it. And then on top of that, you thought it was, you know, your right to then assault her on the movie. And then the idea of you yourself appearing naked or someone who is your stand-in, that's like too much humiliation for you to
2: personally take because... You're you're well, important. You
0: matter. He's a human.
2: Yeah, exactly. She's a yeah. woman, Greg. Come on. <laughs> but like it's amazing how I don't I don't go to them to explain the art. They just have to sit and talk to explain the art. And so like when they answer questions just about anything, they're explaining how they're both cowards.
0: Yeah, and they've tried they've tried to cover up like multiple times but they've given mm-hmm. the game away like they, they've, tr- they've tried to make it sound like the scene was written in the script and that the part that she didn't know what to expect was going to be that butter had a role in it but no like that's not what they were uh, originally the story is the story is that she there's not a rape scene in the movie and they conceived of it the, the two guys together and they didn't tell her until right before they did it and that was like
2: oh man you know what would be cool Let's do this. Let's do this instead. That's
0: kind of what it feels like. It does feel like on some level they were hanging out. She wasn't mm-hmm. even there, and they were like, you know what, we got to do. We got to do this. And then, we, then just like, anyway, I didn't. I so there it is. Like that's that that's that's what we feel about this issue. It the idea is to move on from it. The idea is to have a podcast where we talk about other elements of it as well, and whether or not that is like a valid thing to do. That is the plan. After this break! Mount Rushmore! This movie is famously an exploration of sex. And what happens as a result of sex, ladies and gentlemen? Babies! That's right. Kind of a weird combination that nature lined up there.
2: Oh my god. If fucking Gene. Yes. Is pregnant at the end of this movie. I'm going to shit.
0: Oh wow, I never I never That never occurred to me. What if no. that's the last
2: tango? A tango with an obstetrician?
0: <laughs> the oh.
1: most dangerous tango.
0: That's awful. That's awful. Uh 1973 was a time where people were being born. That's something I think you'll find if you if, if you look into the historical record. People were getting born in 73. But who were they and who are they now? These people are 50 years old. Can and we used to say, ew, but now we're like, hey, that's, you're still y- prime of life. It's Fic- old 50 for is the new 29. Yes, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Because I would say like now, if you're in your 40s, you're still a very young, hip person. Yeah, they're just a kid.
1: Yeah. Ha, 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 you can't fault them. <laughs> <A>
2: little... <laughs> Can I just say, uh, sitting on Google Hill, I found that this to be one of the least famous yeah. producing years. of really, is that oh, true? My well,
1: it's, some people are massively famous, just we don't care about them.
2: Oh, okay. Like Uday and Uzi Hussein. Really? No, <laughs> the Hussein brothers. I believe you. Well, they're and up on the mountain. <laughs> those, kids. two heads done. Those shit's crazy so kids.
0: Those crazy kids. All right. Let's say Ryan. Let's go to you first. Who belongs on this
2: 1973 mountain? Uh, Craig. I have to. Ha- I uh, have to. Got I'd so. be remiss. Yeah. Oof. We hate hate to be remiss. Watch yourself. We didn't start with a uh, pop filter Hall of Famer. Oh, wow. And the only one that I could see (laughs) was Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn was born in
0: 1973? 1973. Whoa. Yes. Hang on. Ryan. Uh, A little birdie had told me there were not good famous people. No, no, no. There was at least
2: one, but maybe that's it. Hahn's 50 years old. Yeah. Wow. And she might be the only one on the mountain making this. A Han Solo mountain. A Han Solo Ryan. Ah, Ryan. you old Solo. So, (laughs)
0: Catherine Han. Dang, that's a good one. Excited. I'm all. I'm all a Twitter now.
2: I'm doing this though. Remember her wink? Oh yeah. The wink that stole the world.
1: Oh yeah. Remember how the wink that started a spinoff that is coming (laughs) out next
2: year? Marvel saw that wink and they were like, "Uh, three hundred million dollars. Here you go."
0: Mike, there's one spot already taken. Three spots to go. You don't want to drop it here, right?
1: I don't want to drop it drop here. Drop it and like so on. This one needs to get... Uh, how many of these did you write, man? <laughs> I, need to, <laughs> I need to get in early because uh, the hat on this guy's head is so big that it might overshadow a couple of their spots. That's right, Mr. Happy himself, Pharrell Williams, was born in 1973, and this is one of the ones incredibly Pharrell. famous. We just don't give a shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, we don't have anything against Pharrell. But... Uh, but
1: imagine, this would be our only mountain
0: with the biggest, goofiest hat.
2: Yeah, with that big... with that big. This is that one time he looked like Arby's?
0: The <laughs> mm-hmm. so one time? Do you mean most of the 2010s? I'm gonna put him on the maybe pile sure. because I do feel like big name. Everybody knows who Pharrell is. Everybody, he's he's the one who invented enjoying being happy, but <laughs> I, I I feel like he's just not. It's it's our Mount Rushmore. You know, like we I haven't get it. we we don't put the presidents of any other nation on our Rushmore, right? I Ryan. You got to imagine this is a a huge huge opportunity for you.
2: Yeah, and going by that, um, i would to say future Hall of Famer. Um, just uh, going by like how much Greg has said that this is ours and ours alone. Here's a here's a little guy. Okay, all right. I'm a uh, man. I'm halfway <laughs> in. I got one foot in right now. That we love so much. Uh, we love everything he does. Maybe not Hot Tub Time Machine Two. <laughs> I've never seen it. Uh, but turning 50 this year is Adam Scott.
0: Adam Scott. Nice. Right? Fuck next you, did to you? Catherine Hahn on the mountain?
2: Wouldn't that be an adorable couple? Wow. They're stepbrothers' rough. couple. They're stepbrothers. They They're were married as stepbrothers. Uh, they both were political right. campaigners trying to get Paul right. Rudd and Leslie Nope yes. elected. Yes. Oh, how exciting.
0: Wow. Great stuff. Damn. Set so well on done. a different
1: Google Hill than I did.
0: Yeah, man. It's Mr. <laughs> Pharrell over here. All right, Mike, what what next for the maybe pile, Mike? Okay. <laughs> no, you know what? that's kind of won me over. I have to
1: say. I have the ones I want to do, but now I'm going to just try to like play to the host instead. Yeah, dude. Uh, oh,
2: for the first time in Movie of the Year, play towards <laughs> the host. What a crazy strategy.
1: I, I, I I'm a slow learner, and <laughs> I finally picked up on what this game's all about. Uh, one of the best parts of SNL in her years. We love bridesmaids. We love the skeleton twins. Maybe it's Kristen Wiig. Kristen oh, Wiig turned fifty wow. this year. Wow!
0: Wow! I have to disagree with both of you, who are like, you know, I'm not sure this is this is an amazing year, especially in yeah. the Greg demo.
1: I didn't say it was a bad year.
0: I'm wigging out because I'm wigging on. The mountain.
2: If you are, uh, if you and your twin are skeletons, just a couple of bald skulls, buy a couple of wigs. If, Kristen wigs.
0: Oh. If you want to have a hoot and you're looking for a movie, this movie has Kristen wig in it. And what's his name? We just said is hoot. Bill Hader. Bill Hader in it. Obviously, that's gonna be so funny, isn't it, Ryan?
2: <laughs> there's one
0: scene that will there's kind of make you smile for one There's three, one lip,
2: one of the best lip syncing scenes yes, of all time. Yes. YouTube that.
0: Or if you want to see a legitimate dramatic movie where where hard things happen, <laughs> watch the skeleton twins. But it is not the romp you thought it was going to be. If you are me. Also, they're not really skeletons.
2: Also, uh Christopher. Chris Tim's husband in that <laughs> movie is played by future Pop right. Filter Hall of Famer Luke Wilson. So
0: Wow, Luke Wilson. Yeah. Wow. Check that shiz out. All right, Ryan, we're gonna go to the lightning round. These are all gonna be babies for a
2: while, so who else you got? I legit think that there was there's three, four more future pop filter hall of famers here. I feel like you're really trying to give all of your – you're going to yeah. really goose up your answers a little bit by just calling them either current future, or future. Future pop filter Hall of Famer, Yorgos Lanthimos, was born oh. in 1973. Oh,
0: okay. Well, that's actually – that's a really – yeah.
2: I take it back.
0: That actually – he probably is a future Hall of Famer. That's Yorgos, actually,
2: Migos, Wegos.
0: I have to say, that is the kind of one that when you think to pitch to the Hall of Fame, you go to the mountain and control mm-hmm. F your brain. To make sure yeah. that that's not already in there. <laughs> Mike is literally writing on his yeah. notes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mike, who uh, you got?
1: Uh, not a future Hall of Famer, uh, but we invented a term called Vora, value over replacement. Oh, actor. yeah. This and is... it's this guy. We talk about him so much. I think we he has become near and dear to our hearts. It's Patrick Wilson, Mr. The Conjuring
2: himself. Oh, yeah. See, I believe that you can be in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame not for your body of work, but because of how many times you've been brought up. <laughs>
0: we <We've> just <laughs> love you for how. Vanilla milk, you are.
2: <laughs> you are mentionable, sir. Ryan, give me another one. Uh Greg, you are so hot. Want to touch the Heine. Oh uh, you are Veronica Vaughn. You are Brigitte Wilson sampras Brigitte Wilson. Oh my gosh. And
0: she played uh Veronica Vaughn. Veronica Vaughn
2: in the film Billy Madison. That's I, right. I call it a film.
0: I love it. Mike. Give me one uh, more, maybe. We're oh, gonna do one more each. I have
1: three more maybes. Can I have you, HMs afterwards? Sure. Uh, the late great—I know this means nothing to you, Greg, but I can't not mention him. He drives fast cars. We miss you, Brian O'Connor. It's Paul Walker.
0: Paul Walker. Awesome. But uh, it, it's it 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 it's a it, it's a real it's a real shame. It's so uncomfortable to me that he, his character is alive in that universe. Yeah,
2: that's fucking weird. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> weird
0: move. I think you, you kind of get to a point where you're like, what do you do? What's the not weird thing to do? What's the d- you what's- could have had
2: the best of both worlds by so at the end of is it six or seven? Seven. Seven. You have Dom and Brian driving off next to each other. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and Brian like gives a wave like goodbye and they go off in different paths and then have Brian drive directly into a tree.
1: Thinking, <laughs> speaking, speaking of movies that tense the whole time because of off-camera stuff, is any time Brian was in danger that movie? I was like, "Is this how they're going to get rid of him?"
0: Oh my god, are they just going to kill him on screen? <laughs> All right, Paul Walker, Ryan. Who do you? What's your? What is your last? Maybe.
2: Uh, my last maybe, Greg, and I have four more babies after this. Is uh, can you imagine that there's somebody who played my third favorite Marvel character on film? And w- possibly the uh, winner of supporting actor in a comedy from 2023.
0: Yeah, I cannot believe that. Ryan. I agree.
2: Disabuse me. It's James Marsden. James Her Marsden, the star of Hop.
0: The star of Hop.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I forget to mention that he's the star of Hop? Now this is. He is both the
0: boyfriend in Westworld. huh, of course. And the boyfriend in Thirty Rock.
2: And the and boyfriend, the boyfriend in, in Superman Returns. And the boyfriend is super. Also, he's a good boyfriend. I like. Don't you I feel like the boyfriend. way he plays the part the boyfriend of the, the boyfriend? Notebook. <laughs> <laughs> There's no timer, Mike. I'm
1: sorry. I just got excited. <laughs> but yeah, like
0: that, that's a, that's good casting.
2: I do think that uh, I did say recently that that was the downhill of Thirty Rock is when he popped up. But the Rushmore <laughs> is built on presidents. And have we ever put anybody on our Rushmores with a more presidential name than James yes. Marsden?
0: James I'd vote for him on name alone. James Marsden <laughs> is pretty presidential. All right, I'm going to put all these names into a big hopper. And I'm going to... Boop, 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 Yorgos Lanthimos. That's, uh, yeah, that, is a that, sense. that is a biggie. That is a biggie. Ryan. There you go. Do wanna, you want to say some honorable mentions, gentlemen? You both seem very fired up about that. Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll really speed run these. Uh, the one who, huge in the world but not to us, uh, even though she did give us uh, the early bird, gets the worm, is Heidi Klum. Uh, and then personal <laughs> Mike ma- much more, it'd be Nev Campbell, Portia de Rossi. And then Stephen Ogg is a great character actor. He's in Dawn of the Dead, Snowpiercer. And most importantly, he was that creeper guy in the Grand Theft Grand the Auto. Grand Theft Auto 5. Trevor yeah, guy. The, yeah. If once Stephen Ogg shows up, you know you're going to get at least Three minutes of a great scene from hell that yeah. guy.
0: Hell yeah. I remember the first time he showed up in a live action thing, and I was like, oh, they made they ba- they based the like way him. the character looked on him. Okay, <laughs> I was not aware of that until I was looking at Trevor in Broad City.
2: Uh, I can't believe we did not talk about uh, Kate Beckinsale. We did not talk about the uh, best part of Game of Thrones, Lena Headey. Oh, did, hell yeah. We did not talk about oh, right. um, the best intro. The of- best part of Dread. Lena Heaney. The best part of Dread, Lena Heaney. The best part, uh, the best music intro of anybody on SNL, Adrian Brody.
0: Oh, <laughs> man. But oh, I'm,
2: the Brodster. The Brody. Oh. The Brodster.
0: That's one of his two very Brody moments. Outside of Kissing Halle Berry. That's the other one I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Like he brody out a <laughs>
2: little too hard. Forcing him to have no other repercussion uh, or no other uh, uh, career recourse other than being in a Roman Polanski movie. <laughs> like <laughs> Just me and you, buddy.
0: I see what you did there. When we come back, returning to talking about the movie, where we're talking about whether we can return (laughs) to talking about the movie. (laughs) In her hugely influential review of Last Tango, Pauline Kael writes, Expressing a character's sexuality makes new demands on an actor, and Brando has no trick accents to play with this time and no putty on his face. It's perfectly apparent the role was conceived for Brando, using elements of his past as integral parts of his character. Berlattucci wasn't surprised by what Brando did. He was ready to use what Brando brought to the role. And when Brando is a full creative presence on the screen, the realism transcends the simulated actuality of any known style of cinema verite because his surface accuracy expresses what's on underneath. How do the actor and director join to create the experience of this movie? And is this Maria Schneider
2: erasure? Is wait, hold on. Is what Maria Schneider? Pauline the, Kale?
0: The whole sentiment of Pauline Kale and what others have said, which is that this is like sort of like a joint creative effort of Bertolucci, Bertolucci, and Brando. That All is, three of them. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> that, the attorneys at law. That uh like the focus seems to be on these two
2: guys, for better mm-hmm. or worse. Well, I have a theory about that second part but i will say in the first part uh they are absolutely enamored with each other as Bertolucci and brando are enamored with each other in a way that is they have
0: that relationship where one guy is the other guy's penis right yeah.
2: and uh, i think it's fairly typical in art and all things for people to just be enamored if if all of a sudden you had a six foot one penis uh <laughs> and it was just walking around as mike does that's uh, an
1: adam sandler movie if i've ever heard one
2: <laughs> Um, that you would be enamored with it, but like, uh, this is kind of a cliche thing to say, and typically it's about dude directors and their female right. actresses. But the camera is enamored with him, um, and it just it it it's when Bertolucci's camera is at its most quiet and it's most like uh when the editing is at its most calm of let's just let the camera rest on this potentially although as we find out throughout the course of the movie, maybe not potentially made up story about farming and what his life was like Mm -hmm. as a child. And I'm just going to go on this monologue. Brando has multiple monologues throughout this movie. Um, Some, I think, work more than others. But even knowing everything you know about Brando, I think that he is constantly and consistently captivating.
1: It's yes, yes, but... Breaking improv rules. Uh, <laughs> only halfway though. When he is on fire, he's fu- this is some of the best Brando you've ever seen. He's on fire, <laughs> and I like because I, the, it was a good dig by Pauline to be like he's not covered in putty or this or like you know he can definitely and is at the waterfront be a little too over the top at times, and so his calm, mellow. But because the the only other thing you hear the butter scene and you hear like this is cinema verite for the masses and. There are those moments, but more often than not, when those moments are being broken and it feels like, I am acting, capital A, it's not the 19-year-old. It is the guy who you literally can watch, look for his cue cards because he refuses to really memorize things, which I learned from Easy Rider Raging Bulls, but then you can fucking see it. In the scene with his wife, his wife's corpse, you can watch him look for cards taped around the room
2: and pause. I think think this scene is it. I think it's it. I think that there are moments like – there are moments where he becomes Brando, capital B, mm-hmm. most, most last are <laughs> capitalized. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I think where you can see like, okay, actor. But there are seconds, milliseconds. There are line deliveries in that scene where I'm like, I've this. This might be his greatest performance of all time in that one scene.
1: M- seconds, but it, I guess the scene as a whole. And I think it was when he Ryan. moved his head down her body as he said, and you're like, oh, there's cards placed. Right there, and he's just reading. You I, you can see him reading. When, when I think he is on fire, uh is him he's and Maria are making up names for each other, and it's all, like, fart noises and monkeys, and they're being dorky and adorable. Like, those were the moments where I was like, this is fucking great.
2: Man. You know what sucks is that he still had to have cue guards. <laughs> <It's> still, <laughs> somebody in the corner still had, like, make Ooh, fart ah, noise. Oh, oh. Um, The... That was the six minute extended version of the scene from High, F- High Fidelity of "Hey Charlie, let's work it out, you fucking bitch." <laughs> uh, just the uh, the scene with Rose's dead body, um, and it's just the wiping of the makeup. Yeah. The, yes. um, oh, that
1: was I was yes.
2: The uh, I'm 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 finally bro- breaking down, but then again interrupted. You know, like uh, I can't. He's got this attitude of like. I can't ever fully go through my emotions because there's always some distraction, whether that distraction is outward or inward Mm -hmm. outward because somebody's knocking on the door or inward because I always have this other thought typically selfish of what I should be doing at this time. What I should be thinking about Um, there. I, I see what you're saying, but I still think that like there is, as Kale says in this review, nobody else who could do this. Like, I do think that there is this, is it S tier? Like, is that, yeah, that's the highest tier th- there from is, video games. There might be this one person right. S tier.
0: <laughs> he's a sigma male? Is that what's above alpha? He's there
2: might well, no, be. No, this... that's
0: like indifferent to alpha, right? If you're sigma, aren't
2: you like you're not caught up in the rat race? You don't race even of, care. You're so much yeah, better. You're yeah. outside. I, I th- and it might be one person. Above both Sigma Olivier and Adam Sandler.
1: <laughs> it might be Marlon Brando. Yeah,
0: is this Brando is often touted as as like the as history's greatest screen actor? Is that correct? Would this is this the performance that cements that as the case in, in your estimation?
2: No, I, I I mean like I think that this performance is arguable. I like if you said that this is isn't trash,
0: it, isn't it kind of shitty
2: sometimes? Actually, I, it's I think that there's a lot to talk about here. Is what I would say.
0: Because like, I feel like there are some scenes where I feel like Pauline Kale is, Kale is totally right. And obviously, she knows way more about movies than I I, will, I ever will. Uh, so I have to defer to her a lot on this. But there are moments where I feel like he does sink into the character so completely that it like feels unbelievably real and true. And yes. if anything, those moments create these huge contrasts where uh, other times he's absolutely gnawing on the scenery and waiting for inspiration. That just doesn't quite appear mm-hmm.
2: and it sucks that we know so much about him at this point that we know that like there were some days on set where he was like i don't want to <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody's like but you have to and he's like well i picked a i picked a character who was also like in life i don't want to so, so i guess that all worked out <laughs> that, that, that's how
0: i'm gonna do this how about uh how about her how about the 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 sort of what seems like to be the the forgotten thing which is her actual performance maria schneider that it, it is there an argument to be made that hers is the actual like premiere performance in this movie?
1: Yeah. I, I found every moment is, is, is captivating and endearing and all of her moves and back and forths feel very natural and lived in and real in her character. Um, and, and, and then you kind of, you're second guessing yourself cause you're like, is this exterior shit? So I'm looking for more stuff with him and her, but I don't think so. She just feels like, a, like a generational talent that, kind of went away because of also this movie
0: and isn't like you you both reference about how this feels like a horror movie i don't think that's an accident and part of the horror of it is like it's not that she's like you know doesn't realize that their relationship is super awful and that Mm -hmm. what is drawing her to it and keeping her a part of it is the same thing that is absolutely torturing and destroying her
2: yeah and i mean what's more 19 than being like well i know that one relationship is terrible in one way Let's find a second terrible relationship in the exact opposite way.
0: And it's exciting because we get kind of two performances from her. We get the performance with her young love interest mm-hmm. where she's very, like... Uh, like, He still is controlling of her because of his use of the camera, but she is very free to like berate him and tell him you know, that he has betrayed her and everything. And, and there's uh, a...
1: So there's a great scene where she's chewing him out and it's so clear she's at this point talking about
2: Paul.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I totally
2: agree. He's so out of her league and she knows it. And he probably he knows it too. If he's smart enough to. He might not be smart enough. And yeah, she just takes that to her advantage. But like what what's so she's figuring stuff out and we're watching it. And I'm not going to say that Maria and Gene are figuring stuff out. I'm just going to say that Gene is figuring stuff out and we're watching it. And I think that what's so magnificent about the performance, if I can use that word, performance, I think it is, inarguably, uh, is that when I think most people watch this, we were all in the 70s, and the first time I watched it was that we're just so used and we're programmed to watching for the interesting dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... That the women, and this is how I mean, Bertolucci has said this in interviews all the way up to like the in the two thousands of just like yeah, she's she's property, she's me, she's like she's whatever we wanted her to be at any point.
0: She's kind of a canvas upon which this moment of his life, is, right? But like, like, like yeah.
2: Brando and Paul, like that's who we're talking about. Yeah. But watching it now, um, everything changed for me because this is a parody of men. This is a satire of how men are fucking apes to the point where like Brando speaks like one at Mm -hmm. a certain point. Yeah. And it's all about the gene and about her decisions uh, and about why she makes the decisions. She is the only three dimensional character in the movie. And I think that, uh, and also Schneider pulls it off to the point where we have a scene in this movie. That's, that makes my argument inarguable where he goes to the room of one of his wife's former lovers and uh, Rosa, his dead wife's former lovers, and they were—they're wearing the same bathrobe, yeah. yes, and they yeah. sit there and they talk, and they're the same fucking person right. because all dudes this age are the same. It's the—it's the women that are interesting. But
1: it, this movie kept making me think of a couple of different things, but the one pertinent here is—is uh, is Fight Club, how Fincher lost the thread and just fell in love with Tyler Durden, and so the movie lost its message. Uh-huh. And it—it it very similarly, but I think Bertolucci started out in love with Paul and Brando. And so the goodness is in despite of him. The fact that he's mm. still 50, 40 years later at that point said she's just me and she's not the point, it means like, oh, bro, fuck the artist when they talk about their art because you're actually an idiot. You yes. don't realize, <laughs> you're, you think you're telling this interesting story about what we've been going through. And part of your real artistic brain is like, I think here's the real story we need to be telling right now. Uh, and it's so, artist relationship with their art is always going to be baffling and maybe they should never fucking talk.
2: But what we needed him to do before you get to your next point, Mike, what we needed him to do is just to gorgeously shoot this yeah. apartment like a horror movie, like Rebecca, right? Almost like Hitchcock shot this mansion from Rebecca mm-hmm. with all the open windows, but still, it never gets clean. It's always and dank the guy and who's not dusty. one of these
1: sucks people, sex people is like, this apartment's disgusting. Actually, why would you want <laughs> to <start laughs> <Yeah>. in <like?"
2: laughs> He
1: walks in, he's like, woof,
0: I stink of Oh my god, it smells like unwashed French people in here.
2: Uh, so yeah, Bertolucci, you're, you do your job and let us pick and choose who is the hero and who is the villain of this movie.
1: Because the movie lays it out and it just feels like he, at times, it's very clearly based on the music and the way the camera moves and the tension building that he remembers this is a horror movie and there's other times he forgets it. So hmm. that's what like the, through the decades of saying, no, it's about this, it's about this. It's like, I don't know if, even though you're the creator, I don't know if you're the authority of what it's about because the text is showing us other things than that.
0: And of like every time, there's so much like history of talking about this movie by the people who were in it, mm-hmm. and every time they do, it's a different version of the story. It's a different like they're right. trying to cover up to, to to fit with modern sensibilities when it was like the raw, uh, the film itself was the only thing that mattered. They were freely saying what they did. But as soon as the sensibilities about that changed, then it became like, no, actually it's a little bit different. And so like every single time they weigh in on it, it gets like reinvented their impression mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. The, the movie stands, the movie says what it needs to. When we come back, we're going to get to the five, the five, every season we go through five archetypal characters and try to find perfect examples of them. And what is 1973's version of Batman? What is 1973's version of Indiana Jones? These characters that we see pop up over and over and over again. And what are they? How do they show themselves? How do they manifest themselves in 1973? And we're starting with because it's spooky season, Frankenstein. Now, when I said Frankenstein, did you all did you hear Frankenstein's monster or did you hear
2: Frankenstein? Shit. I was thinking about Frankenstein's monster. Mike, what did you do? Okay, well, Frankenstein uh, has a doctorate, so you would have respected, shown the respect and called him Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, he's kind of like a goofy doctor. Yeah,
0: it's like a PhD
1: in economics or some bullshit.
0: I picked this in part because it's spooky season, uh, but also because I'm rereading Frankenstein, and it's so funny. He creates Frankenstein. He creates the monster, and as soon as it's alive, he's like, ah, this is gross, and he runs away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think, I think that's what Dad. God really
2: did. Does he, before yeah. he, before he runs away, is he like, "Hey, don't you kill my sister?" And then he runs away.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Frankenstein's monster. So, what is this archetype, Ryan?
2: Uh, it's like um, we're all rooting for you, bud, but you're just too ugly and dumb to live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're like a sensitive soul, but you are like a monster, and you kind of can't stop your monsterish. Uh, tendencies, right? Right. And you're seen as a monster, no matter what you do, even if you do have the sensitive soul. So, uh, Mike, or sorry, I'm going to go Ryan first. Ryan, uh, who did say you... my
1: name and then tell me it's not my turn.
0: Mike, it's not your turn. It's <laughs> Ryan's going. Ryan, who did you have as Frankenstein?
2: Well, you're big and your head is big. Th- th- I'm talking about Frankenstein. Guys. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, and you're ugly and you hurt people uh, to the point where you take little girls and you throw them into a lake. It's Ryan O'Neill.
1: Oh, fuck you. It's <laughs> Ryan O'Neill. Of course it's Ryan O'Neill.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. So that's two votes for Ryan O'Neill? Yeah.
2: Ryan, Mike.
0: You both get the point. That's Wonderful. so funny. Ryan O'Neill, history's worst monster.
2: I mean, like, Mike, you just listened to uh, one of your favorite podcasts of all time, the mm-hmm. Paper Moon I don't know Moon if people know about
1: it. Uh, people should check out Movie <laughs> of the Year.
2: But it was really hard not to talk about what a fucking monster this guy was.
0: You ever listen to another podcast and they start talking about how they like their podcast? And you're like, shut up!
1: <laughs> shut <laughs> up This is the about first that. time in hundreds of episodes we've done it. Come on. Mike,
0: hmm. when you hear James Dean, what does that archetype mean to you? Uh, young,
1: kind of whiny, uh, very cool. Can't you see you're tearing me apart? And in <laughs> 1973... Right? That's
2: a classic, James Do you remember Dean? when Waluigi played it? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: right. I think his, his later star and, and persona would take over this, but I think in 1973, when he has a minor role, just in American Graffiti, young Harrison Ford fucking oh. is James
0: Dean, man.
2: Oh, yeah, but James Dean was famous for driving cars. What did Harrison Ford do in American Graffiti? Like, come on. Get your head out of your ass, Mike. He
0: he drove the Millennium Falcon, Ryan.
2: (laughs) That would have won every race. Everybody (laughs) knows
0: that. It could make the Kessel Run in 12
2: stop signs.
0: (laughs) Ryan, who do you think is the James Dean? The Paul Walker before there was a Paul Walker. Am I correct in saying that?
2: I think that you are correct. Um, To me, I think that James Dean is like, where did this little kid come from? He's kind of small. He's kind of whiny. He's very sensitive. He's yes. always screaming. Why are you screaming so Cause much? Because things
0: are tearing. Because things are tearing him apart.
2: And why is? Uh, why are there so many babes around you? Yeah, dude. Because you're damaged. And it's Al Pacino.
0: <laughs> <Hoo-ah>! <laughs> He's little. Al Pacino. <laughs> All right. For this time, I gotta go. Mike. I gotta go, Mike. I gotta go with the H Ford there. I gotta go with the Harris Ford. Uh, can you believe it? Uh, at this time, he was a a young guy. Have you seen him recently? Uh, he's he's older. <laughs> he got what Harrison? What, what
2: happened, well, bud? Actually, let he, uh, go. Here's a little movie fun fact. In American Graffiti, that movie full of young people, uh, not a young guy. He was like forty <laughs> then. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Yeah, because he's like he's like over eighty right now. Yeah. this was fifty years ago. So yeah. Well, he came from another town where they age at a higher rate.
2: That show that he was on, Shrinking. Yeah, and he's like suffering from Parkinson's, and uh, I'm. uh, It's hard to watch that show without thinking about how like Harrison Ford's going to die soon. Oh yeah,
0: Yeah. it's. uh, I mean, everybody knows that. Like, like if you live long enough, you get old. mm -hmm. But then you start getting older, and you're like, no shit, this stuff's (laughs) happening. Like, but no, it's different when it's for me. Yeah, this is really going on. Okay, I was Uh, thinking it's one of his best roles in like thirty years. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, he is. He he's like the best part of that show. Okay, Ryan. Wonder Woman, when you
2: think of Wonder Woman, what kind of archetype is that? Uh, I would say it can spin around. Yes, right. Can do. And goes like.
0: (laughs) Right. When she spins around.
2: Yeah. uh, Can do anything. Can um, be anyone. Can make people tell the truth. Yeah. Golden lasso. Can tell no lies. Uh, I'm going to say. Was created by a pervert was created by a pervert which weren't all of us like uh in order to be dads makes babies sex makes babies so
0: weird everybody so disgusting we take it for granted but that's the weirdest combination of things possible spit
1: in my mouth because one day we have a child so that
0: yeah somebody will have a soul well that's weird no don't do that
2: some fucking disgusting person took a condom off fucked some other disgusting person and then you were born that's straight up true uh Who at this point was, was... an abrupt shift. Top of the <laughs> charts. She was starred in movies. She was Wonder Woman. Uh, what's her backup band her called?
0: Her name's even Diana.
2: <laughs> wow. Uh, her last name is Ross. Alex Ross has painted pictures of Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah. Uh, Whoa, it's all connected.
0: General that,
2: Ross, if he were in the right universe, would probably try to like capture her. Her backup singers were called the Supremes. Um, you could say that the rest of the Justice League are Supreme. You could.
1: You could. In the Marvel Universe, the Justice League is called the Squadron Supreme. <laughs> Thank you, Mike.
0: <laughs> so Diana Ross strong. Strong. Mike, what do you think?
1: I, I also think uh, strong, badass woman who is gorgeous, takes no shit, and is kind of crushing the patriarchy even when she's not trying. 1973, it's Pam Greer.
0: Shit. Oh, damn. Yeah, Pam Greer. What are you going to do? Tammy G coffee episode coming up soon, everybody
2: tune in for that. (laughs) With the times that we record these, every episode for me is a coffee episode.
0: (laughs) It's it. Listen, we're pushing into the evening. Next is Marilyn Monroe. Ryan, what is the Marilyn Monroe archetype and who do you suggest?
2: I would say, um, you know, young, talented, uh, gone before their time. Pretty pretty yeah that's not something that I attracted kind of
0: otherworldly too right like just like it felt like Marilyn Monroe was never fully here maybe it's because she was dead my whole life but like something ethereal because it felt like she was like not quite part of the same reality as everybody else
2: instead like a candle in the wind
0: oh my gosh that's how she lived her life yeah that's how she you know that's how she lived her life and then in another very different way that's how another woman later also almost like if lived it, her like but in like a different way but kind of the same enough to where you could just like reuse like the same if you knock on elton john's door
2: and you're like uh certain john you have 10 minutes and then he's like oh fuck um candle in the wind again should we do it should we do it <laughs> let's
0: run it on up <laughs> diane Feinstein. it occurs to me you live your life like a big old long candle in the wind
2: um I heard the song Candle in the Wind the other day, and I was like, this reminds me of another song. And it's uh, Goodbye, Little Sebastian. <laughs>
1: is it 500 <laughs> Candles in the Wind?
2: <laughs> uh, but no, uh, Marilyn Monroe was absolutely destroyed by the terrible monsters in her life, the, the Frankenstein monsters in her life. It's Tatum O'Neill. She is the Marilyn Monroe of Oh, wow. That's a good
0: answer. That is a good answer. I don't always mean to sound so surprised when you guys come with good answers. Oh, I, wow. You guys I aren't know. the
1: normal dorks I bring onto the show. <laughs>
0: I, I I just I'm always enthusiastic. It's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's good." Mike, what do you think? Could you could you do better than that?
1: I think when you think Marilyn Monroe, you think she's a vixen. Alluring eyes, you're going to fall into them. She's she wins over everybody. Eyes. It's Made Marion, the Fox from Robin Hood.
0: Oh wow. So, do I want to go with her tragic backstory or her alluring eyes? Mike, oh my god. <laughs> Mike I'm sorry. I just, I want to focus on, I want to be positive.
2: This is how horny Greg is.
0: <laughs> this is.
1: Nuts. Well, you just say it's getting into the evening, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I get horned up towards the evening. Uh, Mike, Annie Hall, who I pick for this segment every single time, even though we don't do Woody Allen's. This is why we, we don't do him. We yeah, because we just talk about uh, Annie Hall. What is, what is the Annie Hall archetype?
1: Yeah, it, she's spunky. I think she is the archetype for the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but everybody else forgot that Annie Hall actually had uh, humanity and was kind of three-dimensional, even if the man who was with her is trying to project just fairy onto her. Yeah. Uh, and reason for the season, I'm going to say, I could not get her out of my head even though I tried. It's Maria Schneider.
0: Yeah, she. Is, that's, the, that's part of what is, like, additionally what is sad is the fact the way in which she's like sort of sacrificed in the course of this movie mm-hmm. is that the viewer like the camera loves her she's so beautiful and innocent and so then it's like doubly awful i i i don't know they're like the movie the movie makes you love her and then makes you complicit <laughs> in a way in like her destruction and it just it feels feels bad and man
1: be beyond the the beautiful and isn't and i see that but i also think what what makes Gene uh, and Alorian characters. Uh, she's funny and she's shitty. Like yeah. the the, the I, she's innocent in some ways, but she's also like sharp and gross in hilarious ways.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can see that. Ryan, what do you think?
2: I think of Annie Hall as like um sort of awkward, and I think that uh, if we were doing the modern day Any Hall, it would definitely be Jessica damn date. Uh of just it's like just... talks fast and uh sort of awkward and nerdy. Not uh, I I think that Diane Keaton is very attractive, but not like the knockdown drop dead yeah. of like Marilyn Monroe. Um and so I think at this time the sort of weirdo rom com queen was Babs. Babs. Babs.
0: Oh, Barbara Streisand? Yes.
2: Uh I think that What's Up Doc from Peter Bogdanovich was around this time. Um I think that The Way We Were is a movie that we kicked out of our Sweet Sixteen.
0: And have been like rude about at every at every turn. <laughs>
2: That's how we roll. Yeah,
0: there's like no time we've mentioned this movie where we're not like oh, That's not, not the way we one. were. That's
2: the way we is. Boom. But, yeah. Uh but yeah, right. I think that Barbara Streisand had that thing of like that any hall any halls do of like Maybe you don't notice her from across the room, but once you talk to her, you're like, "Oh, I'm in. I like.
1: Yeah. I am in love." She talks very fast. Uh, don't tell me not to talk. You know, I got her. Her jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all the way. Ha!
2: <laughs> that jingle bell song gives Paul McCartney's Christmas song uh, a run for the most annoying Christmas song of all time.
1: Wow. I disagree. I fucking love her jingle bell song.
0: We could really go places with that, Ryan. But I'm gonna give it to Barbara Streisand and give it to Ryan. When we come back, one final question, followed by a few additional final questions. Let's talk about the ending of this movie, and let's for the purpose of the discussion, let's call the end of the movie the part where they're standing in like her childhood home and she shoots him in the gut. Is this a is this like a good natural organic ending, or is this kind of low-key like a little bit of a hack? extreme move
1: what's 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 so crazy about this movie is if you can get over you know the butter scenes coming up and you're watching it like this movie might be fucking great and then there's moments where like can they act uh and then by the end do you know when this movie should have ended is she jerks him off in the dance hall and then leaves and he never sees her again and then you're like that's your movie but instead he's like what if now there's a chase and it's a completely different kind of mood that you've seen this whole time and it's pretty jarring uh, and she shoots him, stupid. <laughs> uh, and then at the end, it says, fine. Yes, you're right, movie. I guess by the end, it's it's fine. That was a
2: fine D- choice. Did we all make that same joke to our wives as we watch this? <laughs> what joke? Sorry. Fine. Oh, yeah. This is fine. <laughs> it's, it says the word fiend. Or it says uh, fine. Oh, yeah. It
1: should say fin, no E. What other movies making fun of hoity-toity movies have taught
0: me. Got or you? just with the shark fin. I
1: just watched the Meg to the Trench.
0: Can we talk about that? We cannot talk about that because we said we have to talk about the end of this movie. Ryan, Mike came in pretty strong saying this was a hack move. Did you think the ending of this movie flows organically from the substance of the text?
2: I think out of context, I, I, I think that um, when they meet again, when Marlon Brando says finally says goodbye to his wife.
0: And they have like kind of suddenly reversed roles, right? right. Now he's mm-hmm. in ultra pursuit mode. This is the thing. This is men. When you love men, they fucking
2: treat you like garbage and ignore you.
0: But Hell when yeah, you brother. ignore men, they pursue you and won't leave you the fuck alone. But not
2: like ignore men as like part of a game. If you do that, then you're, you're probably okay. If you ignore men, like, I seriously, I want nothing to do with you. Yeah, Oof, That's going to be tough.
0: Intoxicating, I suppose.
2: Um, so if, if we're talking about the ending as when Marlon Brando says, hey, baby. Uh, all done with that dead wife thing. Let me explain it all to you. You remember that whole how we're not going to use names thing anymore. Uh, I'm going to unleash on you my entire mm-hmm. past. She's like, oh, I'm just her I'm face be- broadcasting.
0: Horrifying. I don't want any of this. I'm going to get
2: married in two weeks, and so to a young man. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm all done with <laughs> you. I don't want to like roast you. I don't want to like playfully insult you. I don't want to playfully harm you. I don't want to real like actually harm you. I don't want anything to do with you that's to me when the ending starts and that's when I think that the movie starts. Like you do need all of the runway to get to this point, but, but this this is the substance of what the movie is about. But this is what the movie is about. I agree with that totally. And it's because now all of the secrecy that, um, movies try to give these dudes you know that all of marlon brando's game is gone the thing that was
0: working for him the thing that made him
2: like untouchable to her unavoidable to her like he says in his monologue so like they go into a tango hall right we we see why the movie is called this they go into a tango hall and then there is this like uh he's giving a monologue over this about like his past so this is Mm -hmm. what he's telling her as they, the, as we see this dance hall,
0: and his like, they are in two different versions of the relationship at this point. His version is like this is the big dramatic speech he's making where they're falling in love, and her version, way more obvious to the audience, is, dude, I gotta like, I gotta get away from this guy. This right. is like yes. this sweaty, is, pathetic, and old. Yeah, very and
2: old. I don't think her mind is changing at any point. It's not like, well, should I, shouldn't I? She starts it with, I'm out, and then she continues yes. to be. I'm out the entire time, and I really don't think that she deliberates at all at any point no, throughout this no. last 25 it's, minutes.
1: It's running the clock. Like, right. can, can Grandpa fall asleep here? And, like, and Mike, it, that's I why
0: know. she. Re- that's why she resorts to literally running away. She jacks him off almost to like distract him, and then bolts and, 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 and tries to like physically just flee from him.
1: And I, Ryan, I agree that the, the movie like kicks off and really, it really starts in his when he he runs into her on in the street and he he starts unloading and he goes here, but I think. It feels so much more powerful and and interesting and unique if she jerks him off and bails, cause and that 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 but puts it, a pin in like sexuality and how men are weak and so the whole like now faux action movie shit into the shooting is but
0: okay. wouldn't you if that happened wouldn't you feel like she had gotten away from him if she if the movie had ended with the the her jacking him off in the, in the tango hall and then leaving the audience would feel like she got away. She did this last thing and then she got away. But I think the point the movie is trying to make is there is no escape. Like now she yeah. is in his crosshairs and the only thing that she can possibly do to get away from him is to shoot him.
2: We just saw, she didn't see, but we just saw one of the most ghostly older horrors in yeah. Paris say, I just lost my John. He's like, uh, okay, I don't know you. My wife's dead. Uh, but I just lost him. Can you go chase him down? And he chases him down and beats the shit out of him. Yes. And says, you better get back there.
0: Basically becoming a pimp. Right. Temporarily. And, yeah.
2: And uh, like, like this person is fucking gone. And I don't think that he is necessarily being portrayed as a crazy person. I think that he's being portrayed as dude. Like, he is mm-hmm. a dude. Like, I think that Maria is, or I'm sorry, Gene is now n- thinking like, this is a guy. Do I think that men should just be shot? No. But do I well, think that... Well, let's put a pin in
1: that. Not all men. Do
2: I think that <laughs> women are killed too often by people like Paul? I do. So where do we shift the balance here? Is this the only way? If Jean wants to continue to live in Paris and Paul's also going to live there, was this the only way that this is going to work out? Maybe. And she shoots him with her dad's gun. I also think, uh, just to flip this conversation real quick, maybe we could do both at the same time, this movie is having a real time, not a struggle, but a time, the time of its life, balancing all things Italian movies, French movies, and American movies. It's really saying art film, uh, Hollywood film, um, yeah, art movie, like mainstream movie, Mm. let's see if we can fucking juggle them all at the same time. And the way that the editing works, the music works, right, and the pacing works, it's really saying all of these things. And to end the movie in this way is, I think, the final chef's kiss on all of it, just to be like, well, we have to have a gunshot, right? Like, we have to have a fucking murder. Uh, if it ended with the murder at the beginning, if it ended with a murder mystery, this all would have made sense to me. But, like, there's everything is in the air with this movie uh, as far as, like, you'll never pin me down. You'll never, right. you'll never tell me what kind of movie I'm going to be. So to me, it all kind of worked because uh, I'm just going to, as the movie, I'm going to be impossible to put on any shelf at the blockbuster.
0: Yeah, and it I just, it, it just I just don't think he, I don't think he ever, he says to his wife, like, you found a way out, and mm. I, I want to be dead like you are, and I can't seem to get myself to do it. That is... On top of the fact that he just was, I think, never ever going to leave her alone. This, this, the story of the two of them only ended with one of them dead.
2: So, like, what's a worse version of like suicide by police where you're instead of forcing one cop to kill you or 10 cops to kill you, you're like forcing,
1: like they're not fucking aching for it. I'll just,
2: I'll just ruin. (laughs) No, I mean, they're stoked about it, but like, I'll just ruin one, I'll just traumatize one 19 year old girl forever.
0: Because what he's, I already have a little. What he's, Seeking, I, this movie is like we haven't really gotten into, it, but this movie is obviously deeply Freudian, right? What he's seeking is this double obliteration. He wants the obliteration of sexuality, the pleasure, and how it like can obliterate our consciousness. And then what he's really seeking though is his death. He just wants like this ultimate <laughs> because,
2: Greg. right in the bar when they're in the when they're in the tango bar, the dance bar, there he, when he's saying. No, I have finally grieved. I've mourned my wife. It's been three days. It's been three, three eventful days. <laughs> it's been three <laughs> three hell of a days, but I have done it, and now I'm done fucking with you. I love you. Baby, I love you. Good Let's news. do this. In, in uh, a way, he does die, and then he spends three
0: days in hell and then kind of rises again at the end of this. I think He's he,
2: Jesus. I think he's telling the truth. I think that he is ready to... Have them abuse each other until he drinks himself yeah. to death, commits suicide. Yeah. She kills herself. He has another dead wife on his tab. Whatever it is, I think that he is ready Covered to. I think he believes himself at that point, but mm-hmm. she is already like, "Fuck no, man." I don't. I I know that marrying this other twenty-year-old filmmaker is a mistake. Yeah, but it's less of a mistake. It's less abusive to yes. all involved than continuing with this guy and he's and controlling. Also,
0: but i have some agency right here.
2: and also i have yeah. found out that i i think that the thing that we might be supposed to believe is that like uh once you learn about a man then you hate him like we're supposed to hate women for that but no what we're really realizing is that uh he's a fucking loser he's a fucking yes. lo- he yeah, glommed we- onto a wife who owned a hotel he's a piece of shit person who has never been anything
0: because anytime there is an age gap like the age gap that Exists between these two people. The guy is, it's always the guy. He's always a huge loser. Yes, and the only one who doesn't—and this is this is straight from Olivia Rodrigo—because girls your age
2: know better. Yes, like the mm-hmm. only
0: reason you're interesting to me at all is because you've got this twenty-four extra years. If you on were you. actually
2: interesting at forty-five, you would be dating forty-five-year-old
0: women. Your age. Right, because yeah, you wouldn't want to be with somebody who's nineteen. The only reason you want to be with someone who's nineteen is hey, to Leo, destroy them. Hey, Leo, are you
1: listening to this? Leo, they don't know your fucking jokes and your gimmicks and your
2: horse
0: shit. Yeah. They should have seen the original seasons of Family Guy before it got canceled for the first time. Otherwise, you shouldn't be dating them.
2: Does it, does it mean like DiCaprio <laughs> is terrible in bed?
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. He is. He is not a stick and man, intensely I would boring. Say. He and does
0: call himself a stick man. Intensely, intensely, intensely boring. Like uh, it, it means that he wants at no point in his relationship to be like an intellectual exercise because in the
2: least. If Leo was to go out with Charlize Theron, she would be gone in an hour. Oh yeah. So bored. Should we call it? Does Leo
1: know that he is just the Rick meme? Like, does he know that that's a commentary on him and his stupidity as well?
2: (laughs) Probably not. But still, Leo, come on the show. Pick up your moody's. Come on, Leo. (laughs) Uh, So, what
0: is the deal with that uh, older prostitute who arrives? What are What is the movie saying in that scene?
1: It. I think the movie's. I think there's two things: what it's trying to say and what it is saying. I think what it's trying to say is one more nail of like you didn't know your wife; she's friends with this hooker and let the hooker use rooms all the time, and you didn't know it. But what it's saying is you are one sentence of being manipulated and becoming a violent pimp. You are dog shit. Can I?
0: Can I just say one of the things I like about marriage is that my wife surprises me all the time because she is a person with her own thoughts and feelings and i'll never know her and that's so exciting why is he so i mean i guess if what the, your wife is doing is is fucking other dudes and dressing them up just like you that's that's disturbing but is it supposed to really be so disturbing that you can't completely know somebody well, isn't it like I, being a baby to think that you could somehow fully encompass someone
2: else i like that i don't fully know my wife but i also love that i fully know you too <laughs> you, two, you two literally never surprised me uh, And man, if I was If I wanted to cheat on my husband Buy a hotel, man All of those rooms yeah. to fuck in yeah. That would be awesome I
0: just have to go check on something in the room upstairs <laughs> uh, Has anyone ever picked up a nail In a foreign country?
2: Mike, you've been to the most foreign countries
0: Did you ever pick up a what? nail? Does
1: that mean get the clap or something? Yeah, it does Is mean that... get the clap <laughs> uh, well, I guess I knew what it meant. So
2: <laughs> right? That's proof you have the clap. Is that a curable one?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Is that one of the ones that used to make you go crazy though, back in the day?
1: Didn't they? Oh all- yeah, uh, syphilis, syphilis does that.
0: Yeah. Like at, at first, it's just like, oh, this sucks. I'm, uh, it's a shame I have this, but then it develops into like a crazy brain disease. Brain maggots. Um, for how long in this for how long in this movie did you think that the story was Paul killed, literally killed his wife?
1: In, until he's talking to her. I was like, well, it's going to come out, especially because when we meet her paramour, he says something, and then there's a cut to him having a razor right yes. after their talk with Gene. I was like, okay, so he killed his wife with that razor because of this guy. He's going to do it to Gene. And then we talked to her. I was like, oh, I was wrong. But I was certain he killed it this whole movie. <laughs>
0: What is the tango metaphor all about? It's interesting you say the movie doesn't really start until right before they get the, in, into the tango hall. And obviously with the name that's focusing as well. So what what is the tango a metaphor for? Or what's it doing in this movie?
2: I don't know, is tango one of those dances that's like led by both people or is it a dominant dance? That's kind of what I was thinking of, or just like the the push and the pull.
0: Yeah, You know, and, like, you're kind of doing the steps. I noticed they don't look at each other when they do the steps. They do these very, like, intricate steps, but they kind of don't really, like, they're not kind of in the same space when they dance in a way.
1: It's so performative. It's not for the partner. It's dramatic and for who's around you. And I also think Paul says something I think is super. He says the tangos are right. You have to watch their legs. You can't watch. He's saying you don't watch their faces. And I think it's. But then it then cuts the, to
0: the uh, it cuts to the torsos of two of the dancers. I thought that was such an interesting cut. He's uh, like,
2: don't don't <laughs> look at you
0: got to look at the legs. Cut to not their legs. Also, not gonna do it.
2: Based on cartoons where I learned everything about dance, isn't it just ripping thorny roses out of each other's mouths?
1: Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. if you're doing it right. Actually,
2: you know where I learned about the tango? Uh, the film True Lies opens with the tango the scene.
1: Adam's family.
2: Ah, uh,
0: when we come back, it's time to give this movie some awards and perhaps a recommendation besides having probably the single most influential piece of film criticism of all time ever written about it. I don't believe this movie won any awards. Ryan did it? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. um, (laughs) It had trouble getting on screens in places. And for what's funny about it is nothing that we have, nothing really that we have complained about. R.E. the movie is what was so controversial about it at its time. It was considered like, this hot and sexy porno right. movie back in the day. That I think it is a failure at. Um, and if you wanted to go be titillated by this movie, I'm not so sure that that was actually what was going to happen.
2: Uh, Oscar nominated for actor and director.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, it's got it's got pretty good performance. Got Only if you think the
1: Oscars are like the end all be all when it comes to awards.
2: And a weird thing with Oscar, it said specifically not nominated for actors. Specifically not. So, cool.
0: How about, for first award, director's signature? Mike, let's go to you first. What is the director's signature here?
1: The uh, A part that it stuck out to me, he's doing a lot. Yes. I, I think BB is a good director, uh, if not a good person. Yeah. Uh, but the, the part that I think stuck out, and I kept going back and forth between, like, that's cool to that sucks and landed on, like, I don't know, in 73, but other people hadn't done that that much, is uh they're in the apartment. So I know a rare scene (laughs) and there are two mirrors set up and it's just back and forth and back and forth and they're crawling around, but it just keeps using the mirrors to, and where their bodies are. And it just keeps right at that moment. Like again, and this is one of the obvious that word for me is like, if you don't get it, I'm saying they're the same because they're just seeing each other in the reflections, but they're only looking at themselves Mm -hmm. in their reflections and all of that. I was just like, man, that guy's
2: doing some camera shit. (laughs) This
0: guys saying things to me just by pointing the camera at them. Ryan, what do you think?
2: Um, I have to go with the camera movement in the apartment, which we've touched on a little bit, which was so ghost-like. Um, it was somewhere in between uh, Skinamax and a haunted house, uh, mm. and like both g- like good ways and bad ways. Um, but we talked about when Mike. What was that Small Axe episode slash movie about the party? Oh, that was so good! Yeah. It like almost, it won like best movie, pop filter movie of that year.
0: Yeah, about the house party,
2: the house party, yeah, in
0: England in like in like the seventies.
2: But like, the house was basically like that party, and then when the filmmaker fiance walked in, it was like a cop had gone into that party and like everything shut down. You lover's know, like, rock, lover's rock, and then so like, and they do everything stopped when that guy walked in, and that's how Bertolucci yeah. shot it because when that guy wasn't in there. Uh, we also—I don't know if we talked about this—but like when that guy walked in there, he could feel the camera moving, and then he was like, "Stop! We must be adults." And they had right. this whole conversation of like, "We don't even know what adults are, yeah, but we need to be it now." But before that, Bertolucci turned it into this free-flowing um, camera movement. Uh, I've only really loved, truly, truly, truly loved one other Bertolucci movie, which I think I've watched with you, Mike, but will see if I remember. A long time ago on a different show, and you tend to not remember that, called The Conformist. Uh, I would say nah. a truly, truly great movie, um, which I would not put this under that title. I would say it's close to that, but not that, called The Conformist. Um, but I would say that the, the camera movement, the, the way that the apartment is shot, is Bertolucci's director's signature moment.
0: The sort of sliding the camera around and then stopping... At the adult line. At the
2: adult line. Like, pulling the plug out of the, the jukebox. And then also, just her in the apartment. Her way of becoming this, like, airplane angel with her arms out, floating.
0: Yeah, look this is a, it, ethereal other space of whatever this, this apartment is. I'm trying to... Right. Yeah, right. got the point there. All right. Um, up next is Pound for Pound performance ryan who do you think takes home the pound for pound
2: well uh, uh since maria schneider is the star i will give it to brando for his scene at rose's deathbed
0: mike what do you think
1: uh it's 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 schneider it's i think this this young whippersnapper comes in and acts circles around so many older people in this movie
2: No, when you say schneider do you mean schneider from one day at a time <laughs> i do always specifically the reboot
0: I want to give that one to Mike. I, I am probably wrong here, but I just felt like there are elements of this performance that are too shaggy. I feel like she l- gets lost in her performance, and he just there's days I there. You said there like, there's days where he just didn't want to do it. Uh. I feel like there are parts of this performance where it's just like this was a reluctant actor <laughs> who didn't feel like doing it today. Cringe. I'm sure there's at least one moment in this movie where you cringed, right, Mike?
1: yeah do you know because uh, I was like well I'm not gonna we're gonna talk about that yeah
0: enough
1: uh, and it's more like bringing the real life into it knowing how he doesn't like to learn nines and he, so he improvises and uh, it just makes no sense for so when he's beating up the John he yells faggot at him <laughs> uh, and he's beating him up and I was like that was pure Brando he's like oh, I'm mad what would I yell at somebody and I was just like fuck you movie like it, it uh, very conspicuous yeah,
0: and weird yeah Ryan
2: <laughs> do you know what would have made that seem better If he was like, if he yelled that word and then he was like, right after, he was like, pure Brando. (laughs) (laughs) You just got the pure Brando In a a O'Doyle rule style, both hands up. (laughs) Uh, I just crossed it out right away. I knew, like, before I started the movie, I just crossed the award out. Like, this, if we were stupider, braver people, we would just rename this award the Butter Award. Like, it's the cringiest moment in movie history, so. You
0: start cringing when you consider watching the movie. Like <laughs> when you're like, okay, I gotta put this on. You're already like. Uh. Ryan texted me the other day. I'm gonna, I'm about to start watching it. I just went We are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I that was when I began cringing. So, right. It doesn't always have to be a fancy answer. it was just, I yeah, from the beginning to end, I'm still cringing a little bit.
2: Oh wait, I, I had an honor, So sorry, I had an honorable mention for my director's signature. Okay. Uh, early in the movie, they come out of the apartment building and the gates on the apartment building. So not necessarily in the apartment, but on the apartment building. Just clearly the uh, bars on the windows are penises. (laughs) Just come on, bro. Uh, We we know this is the last tango. We know it's in Paris. Look at those wieners.
0: Under the category of things that the movie tried to do to upset me and did successfully, the color palette that he chose for this based on those Francis Bacon paintings, Uh he got exactly what he was going for. And I hated it so much. I hated, <laughs> like, the color in this movie. All right,
2: most French moment. What do you think it is, Ryan? Um, I picked... Uh, f- I don't know if this is France. Remember, most of what I've learned about the French is from 80s sitcoms where people yes. just hated the French. Yeah. Uh, And so it was Marlon Brando leaving the tango, the dance class, uh, showing us the moon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, this is... uh. That was for you, but that was the most French moment. Most French. Okay, interesting. Mike, what do you got?
1: Uh, she says it a couple of times, but it's the first time she reveals her first love was her cousin. And what I know about the French is also from sitcoms, but 2,000 sitcoms, her development, has told me that the French are in love with their
2: fucking cousins. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that is. What's that name of that movie? <laughs> Lee Cousin Dangerous or oh, something yeah. like that. Is, that. is that the Rochelle Rochelle of our generation?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. We've done the most French Ryan, what's the least French moment?
2: So it's right before that. Um I thought that when they go onto the dance when they go onto the dance floor, they're shit faced, one more than the other, him more than her. But um there's like a legit tingo competition going on. Yeah. And she's just like on him and then she sort of falls off. But uh they just go out there and that is not just American dancing, but specifically Southern California dance floor <laughs> entering. <laughs> and I think that the well, Well, Fr-
0: they are dance hall
1: crashers right there, and that's where <laughs> that band got
2: their name. That's that's not French dancing. That's, that's American <laughs> dancing.
0: That's American dancing right there. What do you say, Mike?
1: Uh, to scare his mother-in-law, for a lot of the movie, I thought it was his mother who's visiting. But to scare his mother-in-law, he turns the power off. You thought he had a French his... mother. I don't know what this movie is, man. <laughs> uh... And then screaming at her, and then it's when all the tenants come out of the room because the power went off, and are like, "Oh, what's happening?" While he's still yelling, the French don't give a shit. They're so cool, man. They would just light up more cigarettes and lay back. Yeah. They would not be like, "Oh no, the power's it out." They'd be like, "Oh, French party." Yeah. Those cigarettes Dark also would light sir. the way. They would light the way, <laughs> and they'd be on long, long sticks. We
2: only got to uh, like a lot of Paul and Jean, and then Paul and uh, versus that like guy who wanted the horror, but like. There's no part, there's no scene where Paul's like a cool guy.
0: No, he's no. a piece
2: of shit through and through.
0: Yeah, and it, like the, if any affection you feel for him is that weird affection that we sometimes accidentally feel for a main character, even when we realize it's like his problem is he he conceives of himself so strongly as a main character. A- anything I right. do he, is permissible. I can do whatever I want to because I'm that sad about what has happened.
2: And then he'll he'll sometimes have the audacity to say like, "Why didn't Rosa have complete loyalty to me?" Hmm, oh, and sometimes he'll ask that question and then like punch the door or the wall really hard.
1: Yeah, I gave that. He... Oh, that that punch sucked. I bet he was both the character and the actor was pissed about what a shit. Well, punch that's why he was. went for
0: a second one. It's just like you can't you can't punch an open door like that. Not that's not a that's not like a Zen cone. Like if you're gonna punch <laughs> a door that's not moored in place, it's just gonna kind of like wander away from you, and that's not gonna feel good. You want to let those knuckles know something's up.
2: So you're weak and stupid.
0: So I'm weak. And stupid. I'm going to give that one to Mike. Mike. When we come back, I'm going to tell you. Oh, wait, no. Nope. I almost oh, did it. Shit. I almost did it. I almost did it. Okay. Recommendations. I recommend you do every part of the show. Mike, what is your recommendation?
1: If you want a movie where the director and the actors had a interesting relationship and it bled onto screen, and it's all about these people existing for this short period of time in an ethereal, not-real world that won't make you feel gross ever,
2: That's the monster check out again. Before
1: Sunrise. Ah! Very interesting. I just kept thinking that that is the light version. That is the good version of this movie, where this is the evil version.
2: Greg, when we started recording, were you like, wait, he's not wearing his Monster Squad hat. Is there a reason for that? <laughs>
0: Ryan, what do you say? What's your recommendation?
2: Uh, I was watching this movie, and I was like, is there... Can we watch movies about sex anymore? Uh, Karina Longworth is in part, like, 36 of her Erotic 90s series. And I think that she would say, before I would, that um, she does get more talkative about parts of the uh, Hollywood history that she lived through. So that's why... We're in part 36 of the erotic 90s, but (laughs) recently we talked about Adrian Lyne's Lolita, a movie that I have not seen, and she did not talk me into seeing it. Have you guys seen it? No, No.
0: but I listened to that Jamie Loftus podcast about Lolita, and she talks about it a little
2: bit. Uh, Karina Longworth did not talk me into watching it. Um, This was a movie that was like started to be produced in 1990, and then I think was finally had no choice but to be released on Showtime in like 1998. Yeah uh with like a 60 million dollar budget was released silently into the night on Showtime um so but what I didn't say was watch kubrick's lolita uh recently this week and um i don't know i know it's not like top kubrickian but watching it this week alongside uh last tango in paris it is awkward and it is weird shit right like it's weird topics but it's so different than how i remembered it it's not 2001 but it is like it's darkly comic and weird and there's so many weird decisions and there's so many weird people that you know doing these weird things i think it's worth watching again and trying to figure out who the joke is on but knowing that it's not at any point saying that having sex with a 14 year old girl is cool uh so lolita is my pick to watch alongside last tango in paris with your wife or your daughter or your mom
0: having a having a weekend uh mine is going to be a book that came out in 1973 erica jong's uh fear of flying where i was cognizant of that because so much of the this um the idea behind this movie comes from bertolucci's fantasy about having sex with a woman that he just sees on the street and they never know anything about each other um, and in fear of flying, she calls this the zipless fuck the idea that like you can just have this frictionless fun fling with somebody and not get everything all torn in, like th- thrown into it and find out who they are and know all this stuff about them. And, but it's like the energy of a woman telling this story of a young woman telling the story versus the energy of older men telling the story. It's so much funnier and lighter and happier. Um, and still a look at, you know, Freudian uh, urges, and still a look at, um, you know, masculinity and femininity in, in the culture. And it came out in 1973, so it's a, it's about the, the same time period. All right. We did the recommendations, everybody. Yeah. Really quickly going to do the score. I'll tell you who won this show, and then we will talk about whether or not we're ever going to talk about this movie again. Gentlemen, it has been said that ties are like whacking off with your cousin, but unfortunately that's what we have on our hands here. Very French. 30 to 30. So French. What's called a French tie, which is just a regular tie but it sounds like maybe a little naughty. What's a French tickler? Isn't it like a little like a little thing you put on your dick and then it's like a feather and then it tickles the butt?
1: Oh, I thought it was a feather duster. Just a feather duster. I don't know, but you might be
2: right.
0: I think it's a little. It's like a little tickly thing. Mm. It tickles them. You know what it is? It's like an old school sex toy. I think we just have so much better stuff now. That yeah. You like like why would you use that? Yeah. Stuff now you can that, wash. Now that we've got like little devices that could vibrate so hard, like I, I feel like that's the game is basically just those sometimes
1: too now. hard, right? Can we just admit <laughs> maybe we don't need fucking jackhammer
0: destroy the concrete level. Different strokes for different folks, and technology's got you covered. So thirty to thirty, congratulations. That is a tie.
2: You don't want to do a tiebreaker question?
0: I don't particularly. Do you gentlemen want to do a tiebreaker question? Yeah, I absolutely do. Okay. um, I am refuse to
1: share my win with Ryan.
0: What football team am I thinking of right now? Ryan. Ryan. Mike.
2: The New York Giants. Not
0: the New York Giants. Mike? The Browns. The Browns, that's closer because I was thinking of an AFC team, the Miami Dolphins. Congratulations, Mike. You win because you guessed closer to what football team I was thinking of right at the end of the show, making And you, isn't
1: that the last ten go? Making
0: you the champion of the show. What do we think the prospects for this movie are? Good, not good? Hard to say? I think it'll win everything.
1: I th- it I bet biggest shithead it'll go far.
0: Yeah, Paul. I can see Paul taking down Biggest Shithead, unless... The only thing that would make it not work out for him is R being like, well, this guy's clearly a villain. So he's not enough of a shithead.
2: Oh, man, uh, I thought that like it had a good shot at Best Actor. I don't think that's the case anymore, after talking to you guys. I think they that... Know- uh, Jim Oakes. Best Actress? Act-
1: actings, yeah. Has
2: actings? It, is, it has actings? There is. This movie has actings, for it's sure. D-
1: Indeniable. In- in-
0: and, I mean, I, just, I guess I should say right here at the end, like, there are a lot of ways in which it is a very successful artistic endeavor. And it, 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 I respect it for that. And it certainly is captivating. And I think a lot of the disgust you feel about it is the movie trying to make you feel disgust. And so then Mm -hmm. it, it, that's so like, I, it's just, it's so, it's hard to even come around to saying something like that because what looms so large is just the, the act of violence at the heart of everything, I guess.
2: I mean, we barely talked about um, the fiance, which, on one hand, helps Bernardo pull together like the history of Italian, French, and American films. Yeah, into this whole salad that he's trying to make, and we also didn't while talk about... also gives him an excuse to be like, "Hey, if you are making art, you get to do whatever you want." We also, yeah,
0: totally, yeah, and we also didn't talk about like uh, its um, relationship to colonialism and uh, French racism that is still like a major prevailing theme, which is that the, you know, that the French, as a result of their colonialist enterprise, like a lot of people from around the world came and moved to France as a result of that, and they look
2: at those savages shitting on our garden.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then like, and her 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 dad fought in Algiers, right? So like, Mm -hmm. there's a whole. There's a whole currents in this movie that we didn't really like touch on because, again, it's just, it looms so large, it's hard to...
2: And like I sort of love movies like this in a way where like the scripts are so not tight. You know, like,
0: right, in yeah. America... So your actor can just tell stories from his own childhood Right, and you
2: leave those in. About how cow shit got on shoes. But, like, <laughs> here we're just filming everything and we're making movies about filming everything with people filming everything, you know? And so, like, the meta is uh, on meta, on meta. But, like when we make American movies, the scripts have to be so tight to film for like sequels and legacy sequels and all of that stuff. Four quadrants. Every, yeah. in four quadrants. So everything has to be there. But when we make a movie like this, there's so much reaching out and there's so much like not caring. And there's so much just filming what's going on that. This is a incredible picture of 1973. This is like, this is giving you everything that was happening in 1973 because we accidentally shot everything.
1: It's, it's just, it's, I'm not going to say the most unfortunate thing of the butter scene, but it is, it overshadows a super interesting chewable movie. And so, yeah, it's, this isn't going to take anything down because I think we're going to be like, well, fuck
0: that. And a movie those that, movies didn't make me feel gross. A movie that still would have disgusted us and challenged us. And yeah, uh, but it, in great ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but there it is. Um, That's a classic right there. The episode instantly a classic. And I Is am, it better than the paper moon episode?
1: I don't know. I felt like... No, honestly, that that episode's so good. Guys. I feel
0: like two epi- or d- that episode and this episode, we spent the whole time like trying to figure out what you're supposed to do when a movie's a crime.
2: Can and I like- just say this? <laughs> um, the Mean Streets episode is better than either one of these. So flush these two down the toilet. That's
0: because- oh, because of Nate, you yeah. mean. Yeah, Nate- well, not because of Nate. Nate really brought it.
2: Despite Nate is what I would say. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that is the end of our show. We've still got a lot of good movies coming up this season. So please check out the upcoming episodes. And until we talk to each other again. <laughs> until we talk to, to each other. But that's your BB impression. That's I'm making fun of him because he, he deserves that. Hey, keep watching the movies.